0: This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. It
1: had been raining and his aide wasn't with him and he could not get into the door. He was stuck outside.
0: Access to education is the law, but it's not always being followed.
1: But there were a couple times the
2: elevator broke down and I wasn't able to access the classes upstairs.
3: It
0: requires an overall district effort.
3: Hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars are put toward our ADA compliance and they should be.
0: Iowa School District Compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act, our topic this week.
4: The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: The Americans with Disabilities Act was championed by then U.S. Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa. It's designed to guarantee equal access to citizens, regardless of physical challenges they may face. But a new Iowa Watch investigation shows that virtually all of Iowa's K-12 schools are non-compliant with the law, at least in some way. Iowa Watch reporter Hannah Sawyer, who herself uses a wheelchair, has our story.
2: The Iowa Department of Education has inspected 48 school districts in the district's annual equity review since 2010. These are the reviews districts in Iowa use to gauge how accessible schools are to people based on race, gender, and disabilities. All except one of these districts having equity reviews, the Clear Creek-Amana School District in the Tiffin-Oxford-Amana Colonies Area of Eastern Iowa showed areas of non-compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act an Iowa watch inspection of those reviews showed. The categories with the most non-compliance problems are parking, including passenger loading zones, entrances, and toilet rooms. The examples include not having enough van accessible parking spots, not having a curb cut or direct accessible route to the front of the building, not having wide enough wheelchair accessible bathroom stalls, and not having appropriate signage to indicate accessible parking spots, entrances, and bathrooms. Cale Rudkin, a soon-to-be freshman at West Marshall High School in State Center, Iowa, uses an electric wheelchair and has had first-hand experience with school buildings not being compliant with the ADA. For example, Cale's elementary school in the West Marshall District did not have an elevator. While the school accommodated Kale by moving all of his classrooms to the first level, he was still not able to access all of the school as his able-bodied peers could. One time when we were going, when I was a little we were going upstairs to a different classroom and um, my aide was carrying me and he tripped and I kind of hit my head a little bit
1: and I guess they probably should have had the elevator. They want him to have to, to go into the nurse's office.
2: That's Joey Rudkin, Kale's mother.
1: And if he would have to use the commode, then they would take it out and empty it, or the urinal. And I said, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah. They have bathrooms that have a stall in them that is big enough for him, but his aides have been, it's either the male or the female bathroom, and his aides, like, this year is a female, so he cannot go in during a school day into the f- women's bathroom, bathroom. Yeah. and use that stall vice versa, she's not going to go into the men's Um, and the simple fact that he has his Hoyer table and um, toileting chair if he would need it at school. So they needed to have a place to be able to do that.
2: Equity reports in Iowa are done annually and voluntarily by school districts. They are based on scores the district receives in a process called the Educational Equity Review Targeting Plan. Scores are based on enrollment patterns of sex, racial background, and disability. Whether or not the percent of minority students enrolled over the past five years has changed, any complaints the district may have received, and time elapsed since the district's last on-site equity review. Generally, the higher the score, the likelier it is that a school district will be selected that year for an equity review. Since 2010, an average of eight school districts have been reviewed each year. As a part of these equity reviews, certain school district facilities are inspected to determine if they are compliant with the ADA, as required by the Federal Office for Civil Rights. For all other district buildings, the superintendent signs a yearly assurance that they are up to code with the ADA. School administrators inspect the buildings, not an independent agency. The West Marshall Community School District received an equity review in March 2013, and had seven areas of ADA noncompliance in its high school. But the middle school and elementary school were not part of this review. That's because the review took place after the Iowa Department of Education decided to focus only on buildings that offer career and technical education programs. When Caleb was in first grade, he got stuck outside his school and state center one day. None of the school's doors had handicap accessible push buttons, and this was the only way for him to get the door open. It was raining. To even enter the building, Kale had to go around to the back door because the front door had a step. Joey Ritkin explained from the family's home in Rhodes.
1: It had been raining and his aide wasn't with him and he could not get into the door. He was stuck outside because they didn't have push button doors.
2: Joey often has been the person to advocate for Kale and his rights as a student.
1: Just because he, you only see him in the chair doesn't mean that there will never be somebody who needs to come to Grand that school to and anybody. use a bathroom. So I, in my opinion, it needs to be suitable for anybody who walks in that school. And that is something I don't think that everybody understands.
2: West Marshall Superintendent Nicole Quaker agreed with the Redkins that schools need to be made fully compliant with the ADA and sometimes even go beyond that in making sure things are accessible for everyone. Koyker said a more handicap-accessible bathroom is necessary, even if it may mean spending more than planned in the district's budget.
0: And Iowa Watch reporter Hannah Sawyer joins me now via Skype. Hannah, how did you decide to report on this topic?
2: I have a physical disability and I'm in a wheelchair, and so when I was in... um. Well, high school mainly, we had some issues at our high school with accessibility. So it was an issue that I had firsthand experience with. There was a New York Times article that came out about a similar investigation that was done in New York City. And the investigation, the results were that, you know, the majority of schools in New York were not compliant with the ADA. So that made me think. Well, if they're not in New York, I'd bet they're not in Iowa.
0: Were you surprised then at the level of noncompliance that you found?
2: I was because, um, you know, according to our investigation, all of the schools that were investigated since 2010, all of them except one had areas of noncompliance. And that was pretty surprising to me. I mentioned the accessible... Entrances to the school our high school for a long time the main entrance had a step to get in and for a very long time they never they never turned that step into a little ramp so that was one that I recognized you know and obviously like people could enter the high school a different way but that's not you know the main entrance I think the bathrooms is a huge thing and I think that that Um, Sort of like how Kale and Joey were saying, even if a bathroom is up to ADA code, there's still issues with it because, you know, different people need different things. So that was something I definitely related to the areas of noncompliance that I didn't really relate to because, like you said, more technical things. Just like appropriate signage, you know, saying like, well, this is an accessible bathroom or this is how you get to the accessible bathroom. That one, you know, that's something I never really thought about before. So, but I mean, it makes sense.
0: What do you hope that people who don't have to deal with this on a daily basis, what do you hope that they come away from your reporting understanding or appreciating that they may not have before?
2: I would say for those people that are involved in schools in education, this will make them more aware that um, schools in Iowa still have a long way to go in regards to accessibility. And, um, you know, accessibility is just one step towards equal education for all. And so I think that that hopefully will open their minds to realizing that they still have a long way to go. And um, one thing that struck me was the superintendent of West Marshall Community School District, where Kale goes to school, um, she was very understanding. And I know that one thing she said was that um, even though the funds to make the bathroom more accessible were not something that they had originally had in their budget, That was just something that they recognized was a priority. And it was something that they were going to have to work around. And I think that that's something that a lot of school districts and a lot of superintendents need to recognize is that, you know, making something accessible may not be in their budget because it's not something that they're aware of, but it needs to be in their budget because it's, you know, part of uh, equal education for all. And that was another thing that I... Definitely had personal experience with when I was in high school because our um, elevator, to replace the elevator that was, you know, not up to code, very old, didn't work very well. That was going to be quite a hefty um, sum of money. But when I approached the um, like facilities manager about that, you know, we had this whole discussion of like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it's going to be this amount of money. But at the same time, our school district was planning all of these renovations for our football field, our football stadium. That was going to be, you know, like 10 times the amount of how much the elevator replacement would cost. So, again, I think it's just putting things in perspective, realizing what the priorities should be in a school district and not necessarily what they currently are.
0: Iowa Watch reporter Hannah Sawyer. You can read her stories on this topic by going online to iowawatch.org. Type School Districts in the search box at the top of the page. Coming up, we'll hear about one school district which took steps to fix the noncompliance issues and more. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. We've been talking about Americans with Disability Act compliance as it relates to Iowa's schools. You heard in our previous segment Hannah Sawyer talk about the reporting she did on the project. The data that was available indicated that among the school districts that were not in compliance at the time of the report was the Waterloo Community School District. The district took action to become compliant and, in fact, has been in compliance for the past four years. I'm joined by Tara Thomas, Director of School and Community Relations for the Waterloo District. First of all, let's roll it back a bit Remind people what the violations or deficiencies were at that point.
3: We are serving nearly 11,000 students in the Waterloo area. So when you look at that population, clearly we have a lot of students who make it up that are really going to be directly impacted by accessibility. So it was a wonderful opportunity, actually, for the district to take, you know, understandably some hits in terms of not being adequately compliant and then immediately springing to action to respond accordingly. So at the point when all of these violations were brought forward, the buildings and the facilities folks had to look hard at, okay, what is it that we are out of compliance regarding? How are we going to change that? And then here's the next steps to start the implementation. So really in the fall of 2011 is when everything was rolled out and completed by January of 2012. When you think of elementaries as they were traditionally built, we had a lot of multi-story buildings. We know now modern construction of newer facilities generally lend themselves to a wider expanse and lower floors. And so when we think back to like the old Orange Elementary or currently East High School, an elevator is crucial for those students with, you know, accessibility issues to be able to just move from class to class.
0: And it's really, as we've discussed here in this program, it's access to education in a way that we don't think of it often. We often think of financial access to opportunities, but this literally is being able to get in the building. Elevators are a lot more expensive than signs. How did the district find the funding in order to make the necessary repairs because it was not something that was, if you will, anticipated?
3: It's a great question because we were fortunate that at the time, a lot of people were taking a much closer look, as we should be, to accessibility compliance. We were in a position as a school district where, with voter support, we were able to truly start from scratch on building or retrofitting all of our existing buildings in the district. Twenty buildings were impacted. And if you look at, for example, the new Orange Elementary, not only is it ADA compliant, but we were able to go above you know, the baseline standards to meet the needs so that it can be a true community accessible facility.
0: So it's a situation that when violations are brought to the attention, you have really a multi-prong approach. One is to fix the deficiencies immediately, but then it allows you to, as you say, proactively take a look at the entire picture. How long did that process take?
3: It's ongoing. Every year we have what we call an equity compliance plan, where essentially we are looking at everything from building accessibility to exactly what you alluded to earlier, which is underrepresentation of specific student populations. So we're saying, hey, staff, you be cognizant of any child or staff member that you feel is being underrepresented in terms of things like physical access, bring it to our attention, and let's make it part of our plan of action moving forward. Hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars are put toward our ADA compliance, and
0: they should be. On an ongoing basis. Absolutely. What percentage of students are needing to avail themselves of the opportunities that the Act is designed to guarantee?
3: That's a great question, and I don't know that percentage off the top of my head, but I can tell you in every one of our buildings from pre-K through high school, we have students who would have physical needs, and we have some of the best trained, most comprehensive staff in terms of responsiveness to special education in the state. In fact, we are the recipients of a diversity and inclusion award just recently in the Cedar Valley because we are looking at every population of student and staff, and we're proud that we have a lot of staff members who have physical challenges that they can then role model success to the students.
0: I think back to decades and decades ago. When if you had a challenge such as, I need to use a wheelchair, you and others like you might be in one building and not mainstreamed with the general student population. What is the benefit of doing it the way we are doing it now? Because you may have some people listening who say, well, why don't we just spend the money to outfit one building as opposed to all the buildings? It would be cheaper. Well, what's the academic impact of that segregation if you will.
3: And that's exactly what it was years ago and truly I it is an emotional thing for me to talk about because truly I think of all of the children who are integrated or mainstreamed as is the terminology people refer to I will tell you the children who truly sometimes benefit more so than the child who's in a wheelchair or a child who has a special need is the student who doesn't have similar challenges. When I think of one classroom in Lincoln Elementary where we have a core group of children who are immersed into the general student you know, population for a large portion of their day, these kids will become the heroes, the role models, the children that other students learn from and rally around because they want to be the protector of those children to ensure that their peers are not facing discrimination or bullying. And so I'll tell you, it's lessons you can't learn out of a book.
0: When we're talking about taking older buildings and retrofitting them, it is not just a matter of creating a ramp uh, Mm -hmm. outside of a door. There are the elevator issues that we've mentioned, but what sort of adaptations that we may not think of, unless we're involved in it, what sort of adaptations are necessary? I'm thinking of doorways, restrooms, this sort of thing.
3: It's immense. And I'm looking right now at the list before me, for example, passenger loading zones, ensuring that we have access, as you describe, for more than a ramp, but vehicle pull-up space. Um, entrances where we have accessibility so that somebody in a wheelchair or with a cane or some kind of enhancement to assist in walking could comfortably enter and exit buildings. Lobbies and corridors, they have to be wide enough. that comfortable functionality we look at shower rooms all of our restroom facilities we even have to include appropriately tactile signage identifying a shower room so when i think of the time that i step on the elevator at east high i can feel the braille that a visually impaired person could utilize to access a particular floor i mean it is amazing how extensive these ada requirements um, have reached into the buildings and i think it's a good lesson for people to recognize wow We aren't doing this because this is something that, you know, sounds like a good idea. We're doing this because it is truly better meeting the needs of the kids that we're served to educate.
0: And when people may dismiss it as yet another government intervention or government regulation, you can point to some very specific examples of individuals who are impacted by it, obviously. What sort of age do we have on the buildings in the district approximately?
3: It varies immensely. Everything from East High School, which stands the test of time from the early 1900s, to a building like Orange Elementary, which is only about two years old and is cited through awards, architectural awards, as one of the best current existing elementaries in the state in terms of the expanse, the accessibility, and just the design. It's completely green in terms of the energy efficiency.
0: Tara Thomas of the Waterloo Community School District. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. And we invite you to join Iowa Watch for two special September events. The first is Friday, September 16th at the Walker Homestead in Iowa City. Our second annual fundraiser with food, beverages, conversation, and auction items. And on September 29th, Our fourth annual Freedom of Information Banquet will be held in downtown Des Moines. It will follow a full afternoon of sessions on the topic of openness in government. The banquet will feature guest speaker Corinna Zarek, Deputy U.S. Chief Technology Officer at the White House and University of Iowa graduate. You can get information about both events by connecting with us online anytime. Go to iowawatch.org. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs. Do it by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week.